The Virginia gubernatorial election is upon us. Despite the Democrats' major electoral advantage in Virginia, the race is neck and neck. Some polls even have Republican Glenn Youngkin up over Democrat Terry McAuliffe. The race has come down to one issue above all the others, education. McAuliffe declared during several public appearances that parents have no rights when it comes to their kids' education. Youngkin promises to give parents a voice in their kids' education and kick the radical racial and sexual stuff out of the classroom. So in his final salvo to Virginia voters, what did Terry McAuliffe do? He promised to get rid of a bunch of white teachers. I promise you, we've got to diversify our teacher base here in Virginia. 50 percent of the students at Virginia schools, K-12, 50 percent are students of color, and yet 80 percent of the teachers are white. We all know what we have to do in a school to make everybody feel comfortable in school. So let's diversify. So here's what I'm going to do. We'll be the first state in America. If you'll teach for five years here in Virginia in a high-demand area, let it be geographic or coursework, we will pay room, board, and tuition at any college, any university, any HBCU here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Because we all know you can't, you can't be taught by someone who's a different color than you are. You won't feel comfortable. You won't be, you know how you had all those teachers who were different colors than you and you were just shaking and terrified all day long. You weren't learning. Is that what happened? I don't know. That was not my experience. The battle lines are drawn, Virginians. You want your kids to be indoctrinated into radical, racial, and sexual ideologies, or do you want them to get a decent education? We will find out in a matter of hours. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Matty Ice, 113 who says, the Democrats needed a black man to play a white supremacist. That labor shortage is real. (laughs) That labor shortage is real, man. And that's not even the last dirty trick they pulled. The McAuliffe campaign pulled another dirty trick before the, the polls opened today. I guess you can't say the polls open on election day anymore because the polls are open for like weeks and weeks before election day now. But the real day, real voting day is upon us. And so you got to tune out all that crazy other noise, all right, and just focus in on the real stuff, which is why I would recommend you check out Raycons. I so loved my Raycons. I did. I loved them. And I'm speaking in the past tense, not because they broke, not because I got rid of them, because I showed them to my wife. And I shouldn't have done that. That was my fault. And then my wife saw them and she saw the cool case and she saw the great colors and she saw that they fit in your ears really, really nicely. And they don't have little stems sticking out. And she heard that they have an extremely high audio quality and they stay charged for an extremely long time. And you get hours and hours and hours of listening. Now they are her Raycons. They are not mine. They are hers with eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. They are hers with all those cool colors. They are hers with that built-in mic. It allows her to take phone calls with the press of a button. They're hers. I need need to get another pair. Thankfully, though, because Raycons are so inexpensive, and right now they are giving you up to 20% off your Raycon order, if you go to buyraycon.com slash Knowles, fortunately, I can maybe just get another pair. This offer is only available for a limited time. Don't miss it. That is buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Knowles. 
There was one last dirty trick. One last dirty trick before the big election day in Virginia. All right, you, they, they've been pushing the racial stuff the whole time. And they're still pushing the racial stuff. And the final salvo from the McAuliffe campaign was about how black kids can't learn from white teachers. It's preposterous. That's <laughs> preposterous argument. But then the final shot after the Charlottesville hoax, the Tiki Torch guys sent to the Yunkin campaign, after the, we got to fire the white teachers. There was someone who showed up at one of the final Yunkin rallies wearing a Confederate flag on the back of his jean jacket. Wow. He's a Confederate. He's a racist. He's a white. Now they were smart this time. This guy who the Democrats obviously sent in, at least he wasn't a black guy. They did. They made that mistake with the the Tiki Torch stunt at the Yunkin rally, Uh, but they made a few mistakes. The Democrats who obviously sent this guy in made a few mistakes. First of all, the the Confederate flag that is on the back of this jean jacket was obviously just purchased. It's brand new. It doesn't have a smudge on it. There's no dirt, no lint, no wrinkle, no rip, no nothing. They, they probably ironed this thing on about an hour before they sent the person into the rally. The jacket itself might be new as well. Now, ordinarily, when, when someone does a racism, you know, there's the racism and then it trends on the internet. What, what happens? The person who is implicated in the racism gets doxxed, their identity is revealed, they're dragged, they have to block their Twitter accounts. And yet for this photo, no one seems to have identified who this person is because this person is wearing a jean jacket. The only thing on the jean jacket is the Confederate flag, which was purchased about three hours prior, I think. Collar popped up, long hair, and a giant cowboy hat covering up. So his identity is completely concealed. You can't look up who this person is. And then if you look at there are thousands and thousands of people at this Yunkin rally. I don't see any Confederate flags. I don't see, I mean, this is Virginia, first of all, and it's Glenn Yunkin. It's a moderate Republican. Who's, so I, I don't even think if you're, if, if you are the sort to be interested in, in uh, more racial, racially minded, sort of hard nosed politics, I don't think that you'd be showing up to the Glenn Yunkin rally. No one else has anything like that. There's just this one dude right in front of all the reporters. It's so transparent. It's so lame. So then you get these three reporters who just take the photo of the guy who showed up in the brand new Confederate flag thing right in front of them. And they push, they push the narrative, the completely false narrative that, uh, you know, Yunkin's a, a racist bigot, a, a supremacist. I think my takeaway from this, uh, other than the Democrats need to get better at their dirty tricks because they they used to be a lot better at these things and now it's pathetic. My big takeaway is there there must not be a single white supremacist left in America. I don't I don't think there's a single one. I mean I guess there's David Duke, right, and Richard Spencer maybe who are almost certainly feds. Right? <laughs> these guys who like they go they they go on CNN to play white supremacists on CNN. And, but then can you, are there any others? If, if there were white supremacist, racist, bigot, evil, Nazi, whatever, if there were any of those guys actually in America, don't you think the Democrats could wrangle one of them and push them toward going to a Glenn Youngkin rally, but going to a Glenn Youngkin campaign stop? 
They can't. They can't find any of these guys. So they have to make them up themselves. Speaking of dirty tricks and election integrity, I felt that Bill Maher was a little disingenuous and dishonest the other night. Conservatives really like applauding Bill Maher now because occasionally he attacks wokeism, but he he is still a Democrat. He is still a lib and he still pushes for things that are really ridiculous. So Bill Maher had Sean Spicer on his show and Bill Maher took the opportunity not to discuss what's going on right now, not to discuss the, the relevant political issues to today, but to focus on the 2020 presidential election and the January 6th, the worst event ever in history, and the big lie. This was looked at by people from both parties, and they, that people have come down on the idea that Trump lost this election, and you won't say it. And if you, no, you're no, either part of the big lie, or you're part of the conspiracy. It is not a big lie. The Wisconsin you're State just, Audit Committee just released a report. I have it here. You're if you just want to read. afraid. That's not, you're afraid of I'm Trump. I'm not afraid of anything, Bill. You're afraid of Trump. No. You're afraid of being I'm honest. Not yes, of you are. I, you're afraid of being. Time out. You okay. said, I've not seen, I have not, then again, I wasn't on the campaign, I did not see evidence of widespread fraud. What I did say, and what I'm telling you is, is that in certain states where they sent out ballots that were not requested okay. in violation of a law, that should concern everybody. But he still lost the election. Okay. Okay, So now. worry about Biden. Okay, so he did lose the election, Trump. Biden's president. Did he lose the election? He did. It's a big lie. He, he lost. It wasn't rigged. It wasn't. It was. It was. The election was rigged. Okay. It was obviously rigged. They changed all the rules right before the election. What do you mean the election wasn't rigged? Of course the election was rigged. Now, are you saying the election was rigged and Trump actually got more votes? I don't know. I mean, to John Spicer's point, I don't know. I did you know, they, they didn't prove it in court. So it's, you can't say that definitively. Was the election stolen? Jeremy, Jeremy Boring, the God King at the Daily Wire made this point. Jeremy said the election was rigged, but he doesn't think the election was stolen. There actually is a distinction to be had here. Rigged is the Democrats set up everything to give them an advantage, which they obviously did. In Pennsylvania, they changed the election rules in violation of the state constitution, for goodness sakes, by pushing the widespread mail-in ballots. Does this mean that Trump actually got more votes? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I guess not. I don't, you know, I mean, what it, to Sean Spicer's point, Biden is the president. But please do not tell me that the election was the most above board election in history. And if you question it, you're an insurrectionist, terrorist, whatever. Terry McAuliffe, who is running for governor of Virginia, former governor of Virginia, who is now running again, during this election, refused to acknowledge the results of the 2000 presidential election. During this election, during, in the year of our Lord, 2021, refused to acknowledge the results of the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election. And please, enough with the big lie. You know what's amazing? Do you know where the big lie was coined? Do you know who coined that phrase and where he did it? Hitler coined that phrase. He did it in Mein Kampf. And he used the phrase to accuse the Jews of pushing a big lie to blame German general Erich Ludendorff for losing the first world war for Germany. When you use the phrase, the big lie and weaponize it against your political opponents, you are putting yourself in the position of the Nazis, which the Democrats are doing right now. And and they're so historically illiterate. 
including Bill Maher, that they don't even realize that they're doing it. Enough with the ridiculous, shallow talking. Good grief, people. Everything is just an accusation of racism, white supremacy, Nazism. Give me a break. Before you accuse me, take a look at yourself. I need some relief. I need relief band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy. It provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients. Now, through Relief Band, it is available to everyone. They've also got their newest model, Relief Band Sport, which is waterproof. It features interchangeable bands and has extended battery life. You may have tried some cheap imitation of this for like 10 bucks in a drugstore. That's not going to be it, okay? But this is FDA cleared. It is science-backed. It is clinically proven to relieve nausea. It does that by stimulating a a nerve, uh, which then uh, deals with the part of the brain that controls nausea. It's really great stuff. As the holiday season approaches, there's never been a better time to give the gift of relief. Make sure that your loved ones are nausea-free. Right now, Relief Band has an offer for Michael Knowles Show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com, use promo code Knowles, get 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com, promo code Knowles for 20% off plus free shipping. The left is getting more hysterical than usual with the the Confederate flags and the fake Charlottesville white supremacists and the big lie Nazi comparisons. They're getting more hysterical than usual. They're now comparing the phrase, let's go Brandon, to the phrase, long live ISIS. CNN contributor just did this. Asha Rangappa. Asha Rangappa, who is a CNN contributor and faculty member at Yale's Jackson Institute, tweeted out, quote, as an experiment, I'd love for a Southwest air pilot to say, long live ISIS before taking off. My guess is that one, the plane would be immediately grounded, two, the pilot fired, and three, a statement issued by the airline within a matter of hours. Yes. Yes. Different things are different. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is just the modern version of everyone I disagree with is Hitler, right? Except now it's everyone I disagree with is ISIS. Right, to compare a pro-conservative, anti-Biden chant, it's kind of a cheeky one. It's not even vulgar, right? It's just, let's go Brandon, haha. To long live ISIS is hysterical. It's a hysterical thing to say. And you, you certainly would expect this from someone on CNN. You'd hope that someone at a prestigious university would... No, I guess you would expect that from them too these days. The point I think that this woman is making, or I think it's a woman. I don't know actually though. I don't, I've never seen a picture of this person and I'm not familiar with the name Asha. So who knows? The point that this person is making is that the, the two phrases are, they're both political They're both expressing your preference. They're both, I guess, expressing some antipathy toward the ruling party right now in the United States. And therefore, they're the same. That the form of them, because they're both political chants, the form 
is similar, so therefore they're comparable. But they're not because the, the substance is quite different. This is a problem on the left and the right that we, we don't understand that. You, you, you saw this most clearly. We don't need to rehash the debate, but you saw this with the, the debate a few years ago over Drag Queen Story Hour, right? Squishes on the right said if, that if we ban Drag Queen Story Hour from the library, why then that'll make us no different than the left who wants to ban us from going to church. It, no, it makes us quite different because Drag Queen Story Hour and church are different. Yes, the form of banning something is the same, but the substance really matters here, folks, okay? And the chant, let's go Brandon, which really means F. Joe Biden, is different than the chant, long live ISIS. I mean, frankly, the longer that Joe Biden stays in office, probably the better shot ISIS is going to have (laughs) at rebuilding its power. Speaking of fighting our wars, Senator Josh Hawley uh, filed an amendment just yesterday, to prevent Democrats from drafting women. We covered this when it first went into the the big bill. Democrats are requiring women to register for the draft, or at least they want to. Uh, This is ridiculous. This is ugly. This is unjust, uncivilized, deeply un-American. And so Josh Hawley says, we got to take this out. Now, there are a lot of conservatives who want to argue, who, who, some conservatives actually will go along with it. They'll say, fine, women and men are equal. That's fine. Fine. The, the feminists say that men and women are exactly the same. Fine. Let them draft the women. No, the problem, the feminists are wrong, right? Men and women are not exactly the same. And I don't want to live in a country that sends our women to go fight our wars for us and get killed by terrorists. That's an ugly country. I don't want to live in that country. Sometimes you'll hear conservatives argue this from the numbers. They'll say, well, women are, you know, less strong and their muscle mass is different and they're not as heavy and they're not as tall. And they're, yeah, sure. That's all true. Also, they're women. I think we also need to make these arguments, not just from egghead accounting and spreadsheets and numbers, but also from justice, also from civilization. But as long as we're talking about the numbers, there's an incredible statistic that just came out. There was an Ipsos poll on the question of drafting women into the military, 45% of Americans support drafting women in the military. That's as of this August. Now that number is way down. When this poll was taken in 2016, 63% of Americans supported drafting women into the military. The reality of it might be kicking in now. In 2016, we hadn't seen a whole lot of hot military action. We've just seen that debacle in Afghanistan where 13 servicemen were killed. All of a sudden, I think people are remembering the reality of war. But then here's the really crazy number. Men who were surveyed favored drafting women at 55%. Women favored drafting themselves at just 36%. Men were much more likely to support drafting women than the women were. Shows you the difference between ideology and reality. Okay. And and also, I think it shows you something that might be a little bit unexpected here, which is that when it comes down to it, women are more likely than men to know that men and women are different. What I mean by that is you look at the TERFs the trans-exclusionary radical feminists. They're women, 
There are women, J.K. Rowling, those sorts of people. I guess Dave Chappelle now counts too. But they're generally led by women. They, they are pushing back against this. Megan Murphy, right at the feminist current. Men don't need to think about the differences between men and women all that often because we're stronger and bigger and faster, even those of us who are not particularly athletic. We just are. That's just the way we're built. Women are aware of that because women have to think about that when they're going out alone at night, when they're deciding whether or not to cut down that dark alley to get back to their car, when they are in a room with men. So much of the Me Too movement right, talked about how women felt intimidated, even if men were unaware of the fact that they were intimidating. Women know very well that they are at the physical disadvantage when it comes to men, okay? And so when push comes to shove, when, when you get down to those numbers, the women do not want to be drafted because they know it's not right. They know that it's wrong. And men who are probably just try, lazy, either lazy and just not thinking about it at all, or who are thinking in very shallow ways, or who want to seem feminist and hip and cool. And so they say, of course we should draft women. They need, they need to get a little more tuned in with reality, kind of like the women are. Speaking of women, the Biden administration just can't learn any lessons. The Biden administration has just pushed one of the spookiest campaigns, just right after Halloween, one of the spookiest campaigns I've seen, specifically around women. It's called the Life of Linda. Now, the Obama campaign did something similar in 2012. They pushed something called the Life of Julia. And the Life of Julia was this really creepy video graphic campaign where it talked about how Obama's government was going to take care of this woman, Julia, from cradle to grave. And it was spooky because the only meaningful relationship in her life ever was with the government. And it, it, there was such backlash to it in 2012 that they basically scrubbed it from the internet. I, I've tried to find the life of Julia in recent years. You can't find it. So I remember when it was on, on air. Younger viewers might, might not remember that. Well, Joe Biden's back with it again. The world wasn't ready for the life of Julia in 2012, but the left is nothing if not persistent. So they're going to try it again nine years later. Life of Linda. Linda, here are the slides. Linda is a working mother in Peoria, Illinois. She works at a local manufacturing facility as a production worker and earns $40,000 per year. She is pregnant with her son, Leo. Who is Leo's father? We're not sure. Is Linda married? It's unclear. Uh, is Linda going to stop working when she has her kid? Is her, what, what is going to happen? Okay. She's just, she's, it's, there's Linda. She's got probably what Joe Biden considers to be a, a clump of cells in her belly. It's weird that they would name a clump of cells Leo because Joe Biden supports abortion at this point, basically up until the point of birth. So it's weird that he would name, but okay, fine. She's pregnant with her son, Leo. So what's going to happen? Well, Joe Biden's going to help out. Once Leo is born, Linda is going to receive a child tax credit of $300 per month. $3,600 annually to help cover essential costs like groceries, rent, and medicine. We were wondering earlier if Linda's married, if, if Leo has a father who's stuck around. Doesn't matter. Big Daddy Biden's going to come in. He's going to take care of those things like groceries, rent, and medicine. What happens when Leo grows up? Don't worry. Joe Biden, Big Daddy Biden is there for Leo as well. You can rest easy at night. If you want to rest easy, by the way, I would say you should check out my pillow. You know how much I love my pillow. 
A lot of people love MyPillow because it's a good conservative patriotic company. They support a lot of good conservative patriotic causes. And, and that's true. And I appreciate that. I would use MyPillow products if they were controlled by communist China. I would. That's how good they are. Okay. And they want to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listeners specials. You'll get deep discounts on MyPillow's mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. MyPillow right now is offering a buy one, get one free offer on Giza sheets. These are top quality sheets. You're going to love them. All the MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special for that buy one, get one free offer in the Giza sheets and use promo code DAILYWIRE at checkout or call 800-651-1148. Get deep discounts on all those other MyPillow products. That's MyPillow.com. Enter Daily Wire or call 800-651-1148. Tell them Daily Wire sent you. The deals will not last forever, so call now. We'll get back to the life of Linda in just one second. First, though, uh, make sure you check out Ben today. Ben is going to be talking about this race in Virginia, really, really uh, heating up. I'm also heading down to the National Conservatism Conference that is going to be down in Orlando. This is, I think, my 5,000th trip to Florida this year. Every major event is happening in Florida. We will be discussing, though, the future of conservatism. A lot of real heavyweights at this conference. I'm not sure if it's streaming. I'm sure there will be clips and transcripts and videos released later. Uh, but uh, Yoram Hazoni, the great, uh, great contemporary political philosopher is, is running the thing. Going to be a lot of fun. So I hope to see you there. Meantime, go head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. Back to the life of Linda. So this is the new Biden plan for how he's going to take care of, of your kid and you and your, the only meaningful relationship you're ever going to need is with him. As Leo grows up, the government helps cover the costs for his daycare, guaranteeing that Linda doesn't need to pay more than 7% of her income on childcare. We'll, we'll get to the real troublesome aspects of this in a second. When Leo turns three, he attends a high quality pre-K program for free. Okay. When Leo leaves high school, he's able to enroll in community college, thanks to Pell Grants in community colleges. Thanks to his community college training, Leo lands a good-paying union job as a wind turbine technician. Leo's job is one of four million new jobs a year that are supported by President Biden's economic plan. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, try to keep gas below like $20 a gallon, then we can talk about your brilliant economic plan. Later in life, Linda needs home care and hearing care. Thanks to President Biden's plan, Linda can access affordable hearing care through Medicare, and Leo is able to afford at-home elder care for his mom. Okay, what is so unfortunate about this? I am not of the opinion, as so many Republicans have been for a long time, that the big problem with this is it's too expensive. You're spending too much money. This is economically, this doesn't make any sense. This, you need more f the, the free market or something. That's not my, you know, these are legitimate concerns, but it's not my primary concern. My primary concern is that this is so inhuman. This is so inhuman. So first, mama's got to work. Mama doesn't get to stay home. Mama doesn't get to raise her kids because there's no daddy in the picture. So mama 
that's good. She gets to carry the baby. She's got to work until she, at the very end, she can take off, have the kid, and she's going to get some child tax credits. Why? So that she can pay some other woman to raise her child. So she right away ships the kid off to daycare. Then, then, you know, that's, that's the first step. The second step is by the time he's three, he gets to go to Joe Biden school. He gets to go to Biden funded government school. I, I didn't start going to school at three. I started going to school at five, I guess, kindergarten. My dad started going to school at six, first grade. But now they're expanding it out. I have a friend of mine sent, sends her two-year-old daughter to school. Two-year-olds don't go to school. But what this is about is uh, removing the ability to educate your child from the parent to the state. This is what the election of Virginia is about too, folks. At, at, at different stages in life, but it's the same issue. Who gets to raise your kid? So in the life of Linda, the state gets to raise Linda's kid. Then the kid goes to another government school, and then the kid gets a union job. And then the great part of the union job is the kid gets to pay someone else to take care of his mother. Where is the humanity? Where's the husband? Where's the son? Where's the filial loyalty? Where is, where's the family? Where's the family? There is no family. As the life of Linda expands, as the government program, the life of Linda expands, the family disappears. There is a direct correlation here. That's the problem with it. I don't care about spending money on school or it's a very rich country. Okay. It might not be for long, depending on how, how long Joe Biden's in office, but it's a rich country. I don't really care. If I thought that it were good for, for Leo or Linda or the American people to have pre, pre, pre K funded by the state, I guess I'd be fine with that. Or to have these massive programs, I guess I'd be fine with that. The problem is the inhumanity. When, when conservatives are just right about everything. When, when we say, Hey, if you keep going in this direction, progressives, you're going to destroy the family. And they say, Oh, please. That's a slippery slope. That's a crazy, you're nuts. We're right. We're right. We're always right. Hey, if you redefine this thing, then pretty soon you're going to redefine marriage. No, that's a crazy, that's a slippery slope argument. You hysterical conservatives are nuts. What happens? That's exactly, well, you know, if we, we redefine marriage, pretty soon we're going to be redefining sex itself. Oh, you're just crazy, hysterical conservatives, conservatives. And oh, that's exactly what happened like five minutes later. Speaking of women's issues, uh, Mary Margaret Olihan at the Daily Caller has a delightful video out <laughs> where she, she uh, goes out and interviews uh, the Catholics for Choice lady. So uh, there, there is a group called Catholics for Choice. I got to put this in, in quotes because uh, the, the group is not Catholic. The group is in uh, grave error and is in, uh, is, is contradicting very basic Catholic teachings. And so you, you could not call them practicing Catholics by any chance. This is a, a fake Catholic group that is pushing for abortion underneath the Catholic banner, which actually incurs another sin, which is the sin of scandal. So anyway, a delightful video out here asking the Catholics for Choice lady uh, how to defend her views. So we represent and amplify the majority of Catholics in the United States who uh, support abortion rights. Um, 68% of Catholics in the U.S. do not want to see Roe versus Wade struck down, so we thought it was very important for us to be out here t today. What about, doesn't the Catholic Church teach that abortion is a crime against human life? 
Well, the teaching on abortion has changed quite a bit over the centuries. As you know, the Catholic Church is an old institution. And um, the fact is, two of our major theologians, Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine, believed abortion was licit within the first trimester. So we're here to tell Catholics that it's more complicated and the Church's uh, teaching on that is more complicated. That's so funny. I've never heard that in my life. I've heard my whole life that the Catholic Church teaches that abortion is a crime against human life and that if you get one, you're excommunicated but and I have never heard that that teaching changed <laughs> that's funny I never heard that that's so weird by the way I just I just know I said the daily caller but I just noticed on the microphone it says the daily signal so I want to give credit where credit is due for this very entertaining video uh, obviously what this woman this uh, leftist activist who runs Catholics for choice what she's saying about abortion is not true she's saying that the Catholic teaching has changed a lot and it used to, the Catholic church used to support abortion, but now the Catholic church doesn't support abortion. And so it's kind of up in the air and up for grabs. That's not true. The Catholic church has condemned abortion and prohibited it since the first century, since the, the very first years after the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. The earliest catechism we have, the Didache, explicitly condemns abortion. So that's not true. Uh, this argument about T- Thomas Aquinas and, and Augustine, also bogus stuff. I'll just, I'll just, just to give you the background here. I mean, this, this is an example of, of a half truth or a quarter truth being perverted to completely misrepresent one's view of things. St. Thomas Aquinas believed that uh, conception was a process that took place when, when the sperm served a formative function on the menstrual blood of women. I hate to be gory here, but this is his understanding of the physical act of conception. Okay. And he's basing that on Aristotle's physics, which was the physics they had at the time. Obviously they didn't, they didn't have modern medical science at the time. So when, when you're describing the physical act of conception, it was unclear uh, to someone like St. Thomas Aquinas, even a great genius like St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the greatest uh, theologians ever. So the view was that the the sperm acts on the menstrual blood and then creates this kind of vegetative thing that is not, not ensouled until quickening, okay? Um, St. Augustine has a, a similar view of this, as this woman alludes to. What we know with uh, modern medical science is that the sperm does not merely serve some formative function on the menstrual blood. It doesn't, it doesn't work on the menstrual blood at all, but that the sperm and the egg come together and that the act of conception, which previously in the Aristotelian world, the Aristotelian model would have taken weeks and weeks, actually occurs almost instantaneously. And we know now, again, just because of modern medical science, that the sperm contains unique genetic information and the egg contains unique genetic information. And when the sperm and the egg come together, they both cease to be and a new being is formed. And that new being is the first iteration of human life. So we know that now, okay? Applying the metaphysical principles of Saints Augustine and Saint and, and Thomas Aquinas to the modern understanding of physics, we know that life begins at conception. And you can't call Augustine and Thomas Aquinas dummies. They were operating on the physical understanding of the world at the time. 
But what is so disingenuous is, is well, one, maybe this, this Catholics for Choice lady seems a little confused. So maybe she just doesn't understand what I have just explained. But I, maybe she does understand it. And maybe she's just being a little clever here or trying to be a little clever. And maybe she's just trying to use Aristotelian physics to justify her indefensible position on abortion. Do you think this woman defers to Aristotelian views of the physical world in other questions or just when it comes to abortion because of a mistaken view and a manifestly mistaken view of how conception takes place? I think it's probably the latter. I think this woman probably says she loves to follow the science and she's very modern and follows all the modern science. Except when it comes to conception. There she follows the most ancient and mistaken science that there is. Such BS. The bigger question though, beyond the obvious nonsense that this woman is spouting, is why does she want to be considered Catholic? Why? She doesn't, she's a lesbian by the way. I'm not, not telling any tales out of school. She's pretty public about that. So she disagrees with the church on sex. She disagrees with the church on life, an essential non-negotiable teaching. She disagrees with the church on women pre, women ordination. That's another aspect of her activism. She disagrees with the church on a great deal of things, a great number of things. So why does she want to, why can't she just be, uh, I don't know what category she would put herself, leftist for choice. Why can't she just be regular old leftist who disagrees with the Catholic faith for abortion? Because, because the Catholic church is the fundamental institution in the West. Even if you're Protestant, even if you're agnostic, even if you're atheist, the church formed the West. Okay. The church endured from antiquity into modernity. No other organizations or institution in the West can claim that. Okay. It is, it is the West. As Hilaire Belloc put it, the faith is Europe. Europe is the faith, right? It is the West. And so if you want to transform the civilization, you've got to get to the heart of it. And I suspect this woman has a natural longing. She just, she wants, she wants all the good stuff that comes with the faith, but she doesn't want the things that are necessary to the faith. She doesn't want to make those decisions. She doesn't want to tamp down her basest appetites. She doesn't want to circumscribe her, her individual autonomy. She's trying to have it all, but you can't have it all. You have to make choices. You have certain, you have to make certain exclusions. Speaking of abortion, an Ohio city has just voted to make abortion a crime. The city council of Mason, which is just north of Cincinnati, voted on Monday, uh, last, I think it was last Monday, to criminalize abortion. Council members voted four to three to make the city, quote, a sanctuary for the unborn. Now, Mason does not currently have any abortion clinics within the city limits. Uh, the people who pushed for this ban said that now that there is a ban, no abortion clinics would be put into the city. So I like that as a uh, preventative measure. Uh, some people will say that uh, the city has no right to ban abortion. Abortion is a federal right 
that was discovered in the Constitution in 1973, I guess written in invisible ink. You'll hear leftists make that argument and some kind of squishy types will make that argument too. Well, you know, look, I don't, I don't agree with the Supreme Court's decision, Roe versus Wade, but, but we can't just go around, uh, you know, uh, uh, contradicting the court and we need to fight it. And yeah, okay, whatever. I think this is a great idea. I think this is terrific. Love it. Keep it up, Ohio. Keep it up, Mason. They, they were, they were right on just about every aspect of this. First, to use the left's sanctuary hypocrisy against them. The left loves to violate federal law and create sanctuary cities for illegal aliens, for foreign nationals who are living in our country in contravention of our laws, but they won't do it for innocent little babies. They are, in Mason, standing up for what is right, what is truly right, defending the right of life for for the unborn, and they're going on the offense politically. That's almost the most important part here. It's not as important. You know, obviously, the, the ban itself is very important. Saving these lives in the future is very important. But going on offense politically is something that we could all learn from. Why are we always reacting to the left? You're going to redefine marriage. You're going to redefine sex. You're going to change the bathrooms. You're going to upend our culture. You're going to ban certain speech. You're going to, why, why stop doing that to us? Stop. How about we start doing some things? How about we start setting the standards and the taboos? How about, how about we start using our political power? I'll be discussing this later today, the National Conservatism Conference in Orlando. Some people are getting tough. Some people are standing firm. A student at Yale Law School is doing that, which is really wonderful to see. We covered this story a week or two ago. I want to follow up on it though. There was a Yale Law student who uh, sent out a letter. He's a member of the Federalist Society, which is a at least somewhat conservative law society. He happens to be a Native American student. He sent out a letter inviting people to a party. And because he's a conservative, because he's in the Federalist Society, some people read the letter and pretended that it was racist or bigoted or whatever. I think he made a pop culture reference to a trap house, which is a perfectly ordinary pop culture reference. And uh, this was then used by leftists on campus to say, he's racist. You're not allowed to use that phrase trap house or what? I mean, they were just looking for an excuse. And so he was called in by the diversity deans and the the diversity deans said, the, the student recorded it, thankfully. So we had the recording. The diversity deans said, listen, Uh, you were just accused of racism and it's not as bad for you as it would be for a white guy because you're Native American. But look, you should just apologize. We don't think you did anything wrong. Obviously, you you didn't do anything wrong. But look, you don't want your career to be hurt. You don't want your life on campus to be hurt. You don't want people to start saying things about you. You don't want to be called a racist. So, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to, here's a letter we drafted up of an apology. Look, we think it's bogus. You you should have nothing to apologize for, but we drafted it up anyway, and you're going to sign it. Okay. And this student said, no, student said, no, I'm not going to sign it. He has now said, quote, instead, an apology should be a sincere expression of remorse and admission of fault. The Yale administrators did not believe I had been racist by using the phrase trap house, but it did not matter. They urged me to placate students via public submission. I don't believe that the now common ritual of compelled apology complete with promises to grow and do better. Their words, but one's 
I'm sure you've seen many times before, helps anyone or is even intended to. If we continue to indulge this culture of performative denunciation, the very idea of an apology will lose its meaning. Great, great point. Great, great point. What the Yale administrators are saying is that an apology is no big deal. Oh, it's no big deal. Look, uh, you didn't do anything wrong, really, but you know, these kids are offended and look, you don't want to hurt your career. So just do it. Just sign, just sign the letter we, we spent a long time drafting for you. Just sign it. It's not a big deal. We can just move on. It's not a big deal. If it's not a big deal, why are the Yale diversity administrators so dead set on this kid signing? If it's not a big deal, why are these thugs, these diversity, inclusion, and equity thugs threatening this kid's career if he doesn't sign it, if it's not a big deal? Because it is a big deal. This is like when leftists say, or even some squish conservatives say, oh, just, just use the wrong pronouns. Yeah, the guy, the guy is a guy and he thinks he's a woman and that's ridiculous, but just call him her. What's the big deal? I don't know what's the big deal. Why, if it's not a big deal, why are you so insistent that I use the word? Don't worry. It's not a big deal. So it's cool. So I'll call him him. You can call him her if you want to. And then that's fine. So no, no, it is a big deal because words carry whole premises. Why do they want it? So, and, and the idea of an apology will lose its meaning. I mean, the kid makes a good point too. As, as the late Roger Scruton pointed out, society in many ways runs on apologies. Our, our ability to apologize to one another and have that apology accepted is a good measure of the health of society because it requires something of both parties. When I apologize, when I ask forgiveness, I am sacrificing my pride. I'm admitting that I did something wrong. When you accept my apology, you are sacrificing your resentment. Both of those things are valuable to us, okay? But then you do it and then you move, move along together in society. But we're, we're not really allowed to do that anymore. And, and young people are being really perverted with this kind of illogic. I have to get to a story. This really shocked me. Speaking of young people, a mother has apparently locked her kid up in the house, effectively locked her kid up in the house since the start of the 15 days to slow the spread almost 600 days ago. The mother just posted a video to TikTok or Instagram Reels or one of those where she has the, the little kid, the nine-year-old daughter, read the news that the kids can now get the vaccine. And the kid almost breaks down in tears. This is my daughter. Hi. She's nine. We're about to blind react to something. Okay. What does that say? Hold on, dear. What does it say? That vac the COVID vaccine for kids is, so next week should be clear for kids through five to 11. What does that mean for you? I can go with my friends. Yeah. I can finally, you know, go outside, go to stores. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I thought I was going to be like in a couple months. No, apparently it's next week. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you too, Mom. She's white. You need to get vaccinated. Okay. 
she's why I need to get vaccinated. She, the, the girl who statistically faces an almost 0% risk from the coronavirus, a girl in an age group that has an infection fatality rate of, of anywhere from 0.003% to 0.001% is why I need to get vaccinated, even though the vaccine does not prevent me from transmitting the virus, according to the CDC, according to the CDC at the end of July. That's why the vaccinated people are now supposed to keep wearing the masks. That's why we're told the vaccine protects you against hospitalization and death, but does not necessarily prevent you from contracting or transmitting the virus. She, the, that, that, the, the girl who is least at risk from the coronavirus that you have locked up in a house for almost 600 days who is now giddy and hugging you because you might let her go outside next week. That is madness. And that is a form of child abuse that our politicians have pushed upon us and that gullible and cowardly and sick people have accepted. And that, I know it seems a little disconnected, that is what this race in Virginia is about. Okay, The race in Virginia is about how we raise kids. Do we raise them with the crazy racial theories and the sexual theories and CRT and the vaccine craziness and the the COVID neurosis and the public health tyranny and the locking them away in a hermetically sealed cage and do whatever the state says? Or do we raise them more in line with tradition, more in line with human nature, more, more in line with our own religious lights. Which way? Which way, Virginians? Which way, America? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Terry McAuliffe faces the music in Virginia and counters by playing the race card. Plus, Joe Biden falls asleep during a vital climate change conference. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 